Hello everyone and welcome to a new edition of Thinking Aloud about film. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. We're going to be talking about Hector Babenko's Pichot, uh, the, the Law of the Weakest, which is currently showing on movie, and which I saw when it came out. I think maybe at either the Montreal International Film Festival or the Festival of New Cinema. And it made, you know, a lasting impression. Uh, and I was really happy to see it this morning. I've just seen it. And think still it's, to me, one of the great masterpieces of the cinema. I didn't see it at the cinema when it came out. I was, I was too young. I think I first saw it on TV. And I'll, I'll talk later about the circumstances of its TV showing, which are quite interesting. And I think I've seen it on video. Both times it would have been in kind of cropped to 4-3 ratio and and i just have memories of it, of it the, the print not looking very good even even then which was 1986 when it was shown on tv it didn't look good and and this restoration just looks amazing first you know let's just begin with with the plot uh which is quite forceful yeah it's kind of, <laughs> put, to put it mildly yeah. yeah yeah uh, so do you want to have a go at it yeah so it it's about street children in brazil basically and it, it it starts off with a uh with babenko talking to the camera about how this is a real story and he's he's all based on real stories the cast are, are non-professionals they're they're all young people from that environment and the, the point of the film is that children up to the age of 18 couldn't be prosecuted for adult crimes and couldn't be sent to adult prison so adult career criminals were using under 18 year olds to carry out crimes. And that, that that then sets the tone. So it then jumps straight into this, you're just thrown into this thing where Pichot, who's this 11, 12 year old boy, Ten. is very, very young, in, sent to this reform school. The, you know, a series of horrific things happen to these boys in, in, in the reform school. And it's really hard hitting, it's really well done, but it goes through a, a, lot, a lot of the things you often see in films about reform schools and posters and so on. Then what surprised me is it's only halfway through the film that they actually escape. Um, and so half the film is outside the reform school. They then get involved in adult crime. So in, in drug dealing, in, in um, you know, prostitution, in murder, it doesn't end well. And that's, that's the plot, really. I mean, it's, it's... So the obvious points of comparison uh, are Buñuel's Los Olvidados, The Young and the Damned, uh, you know, which for its time, is equally uh, uh, hard-hitting. Uh, and, and of course, the Brazilian film, City of God, yeah, uh, yeah. the more recent one. But actually, I want to elaborate a little bit on what you said, because I do think it's not typical of, you know, Borstal films. So the film is divided in two parts, like Richard said. The first part that, you know, takes place in this reform school, and almost the first thing you see is a boy being raped, yeah? Uh, and it's kind of, you know, shown quite graphically, not in the sense that you see the actual intercourse, you know, but the, the next morning, the guy who runs, you know, the reform school kind of opens a blanket, the guy's unconscious, and there you see all the blood. And yeah, so it's kind of like completely brutal. Uh, and I think what this shows that is not typical, I think, of other films is the corruption, you know, how all the officials within the prison are actually taking advantage of these boys, yeah, and it's it's the you know the 
the head of the reform school, the people who run the reform schools, the police, yeah, and then the judicial, and even the nurses and the doctors and the social workers, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They're all in for what they could get for themselves, which is not much, you know, and the kids are basically treated like chattel, you know, they're put in work gangs, they're, you know, they're, they're framed for murders, you know, to cover up police screw-ups. Even in some cases, you get the impression some, not all, but some of the parents are kind of on the take as well. I mean, one of the one of the boys' mothers is is a is a prostitute, and she's sleeping with one of the guards. There's, there's you know, it, it, so every yeah, at, at all levels, the, the the these kids are just, as, as you say, just exploited in, in 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 multiple ways. It is like you keep seeing people coming. You know, a journalist comes along, or a, or a politician comes along, or a judge comes along. And it's like okay, may, may, maybe these maybe these people will help, but no, they they don't. They they they're just part of the system too. Yeah. In fact, you know, even well-meaning people, every effort they make to help results in the murder of another child. Yeah, because of the subsequent cover-up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think um, I want to say that it makes for hard viewing, but actually, I think for me personally, it didn't because, you know, the film is so poetic. I, re I remember being struck the first time I saw it by the Lilika character, yes? You know, this young drag queen who, well, a drag queen, trans person, really, because uh, she insists that everybody calls her she. Yeah, she's made kind of to be a boy in this prison. Yeah, but, you know, kind of uh, uh, is, is clearly a transgender person. And the naturalness with which she was treated, right? And also her acceptance of her fate. That was really interesting, particularly for something, I don't know, it makes me feel very old to say for something of that era when it was in the, when it was, you know, in the, the early well, 80s. 40 but years to, ago. Yeah, it's really interesting that all of the, other than the guards, all of the, you know, all of, all of the boys refer to Lilika as, as, as she and her. Exactly. Um, she's in a relationship with one of the other boys in the in the prison who is you're told is straight she's not a figure of fun it's treated entirely seriously and and, and she's taken at face value and that, that's actually yeah for films in general i think that's very very unusual for for early, the late 70s early 80s and the film was it was filmed in 79 i think and, and released in 80 so. and it's so beautiful i mean there's that scene in um rio when they go to rio right and she's developing a relationship with one of the other kids, but knows already that it's not reciprocal. You know, she talks about, well, you know, on the one hand, she says, don't talk to me that way, right? Talk to me with respect, right? But on the other hand, you know, she's looking at the beach and she begins to recite this very famous uh, Brazilian song, which, you know, about kind of a young kid who, who's from the ghetto. And she goes, well, you know, what can a person like me expect of life? Yeah, kind of, it's almost like you just have to accept it. And you just have to accept almost that, you know, that this is the way things are. And I was unlucky or something, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I thought that was so kind of beautiful as the sun goes down, you know, on, on the beach in Rio. It's just like, you know, so there's both like this, this beauty and also like this real tragic sense that kind of, you know, life is going to be very hard. Many films like this, the you know the ending would be hooray they've escaped from the reform school and they run off you know but actually you, you then find that their life is if anything well just as hard or possibly harder 
outside. You know, this group of boys gradually either you know leave or, or die or are killed and then yeah by the end it's just pish up wandering off alone and, and it's and and um we'll talk a bit later about what what happened to the actor in real life could but, but you know it's essentially that his 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 life yeah he died age, well he was killed age 19 and um so you know his what happened to the actor mirrors what happened to the to the to the characters in the film really so yes the film um makes this a theme yeah so first of all it begins with an introduction uh, by the director who talks about, you know, how uh, Brazil, its population, I forget what the percentage was of children. Uh, mm, I think 50%, large. I think he 50% says. 50% yeah. of the population of Brazil was, was kids under 18. And, you know, I think it was like something like 20 million of those were living below the UN uh, recommendation for child poverty, below the poverty line, according to the UN. So, so the film often frames this miserable life in the reform school uh, it's still people choose to be inside rather than outside because outside is even tougher or could be even tougher yeah for for some people uh so it's kind of a real condemnation of you know brazilian society the brazilian state uh, uh etc i'm very curious about your television screening and i'd like you to talk to me a little bit about that you're seeing it on television because one of the things that I'd like to discuss is how I find this film, it would be impossible to make today for various reasons. Yeah, and uh, so, so the idea that it was screened on television is fascinating to me. And uh, tell me about it. This was in the in the mid 80s, Channel 4 in the UK, which for anyone outside the UK, Channel 4 is, is one of the yeah, one of the main TV channels. And at that point, its remit was around kind of offering an alternative to the mainstream channels uh, so showing art house cinema making their own art house films showing foreign language stuff etc late night they were showing um, mainly foreign language art house films in a, in a regular slot and they came up with this idea called the the red the red triangle <laughs> and the the idea was that if they were showing films that had that contained sensitive content they would warn you about this by saying in advance this is sensitive content and displaying a red triangle on screen throughout the film um now of course the problem with that is if you tell people in advance we're going to use this red triangle to warn you about sensitive content you just attract a bigger audience because people are like, oh wow this sounds like there's going to be some there's going to be some sex in this one uh whereas that but actually when you look at the list of films they showed i mean pishot was shown uh themrock there's a couple of, was it Throw Away Your Books, Revolt in the Streets, I think it's called, something like a Japanese film. It wasn't showing erotic films, it was showing quite intense, disturbing art house films. So Pichot fitted quite well into that into that season. Um, as far as I'm aware, um, it was shown uncut, or uh, uncut from the original British release version. Um, but yeah, there, there was a, a, a lot of controversy not not so much about Pichot, but about the season as a whole and about whether Channel 4 should... A, a from people who thought, well, should they be pandering to, um, to censorship by putting this kind of warning on? And B, by people who thought, well, they shouldn't be showing this kind of thing anyway, and they shouldn't be trying to attract a bigger audience by warning you that it's going to have sensitive content. So that, that, was, the, that was the context. 
I couldn't find any continuity announcements of Shot, but I found one for Themrock, which I can send you so you can see how this was announced. You can, you can put that on the on the blog because it, it is quite it's quite interesting that it was shown in that in that, in that context. But 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 what is interesting? I mean, there are, there are actually a number of articles um, and academic papers that I can't access. Maybe you can about about that season, about where it fits in the history of UK censorship, and about responses to it from Mary Whitehouse, who was like the big sort of public decency campaigner in the UK at that point. Um, and I can't find anything where people specifically target Pichot for criticism, but they do target some of the other films. Um, so possibly they watched Pichot and thought this has, or they, well, if they did watch it, that the, this has a, you know, this has a serious intent. You know, there is, there is nudity, but you know, there the, the shower scenes and stuff like that, but it isn't of a sexual nature. It, it's showing you it re- reality. It isn't of a sexual nature at all, uh, but that's besides the point. I still think it couldn't be filmed today, right? Because it needn't be of a sexual nature uh, for people to take issue with it. The idea of showing a 10-year-old naked running through the streets. He's sniffing glue in the toilet and then has this kind of dream sequence where he's running naked through the street. Uh, in the Brazilian release, that that shot was used as the, as the poster, which just seems incredible. The poster was the, was the child running through the street like that. Just well, no tra- more surprising than Nirvana having... That baby I on the guess, cover. I guess right? so. I guess so. And and actually, it's the matter of factness of the way that it's filmed that makes you know kind of for the film's power. It's its naturalism or its realism or yeah. So so for example, that shower scene, yeah, that we see and we see kids of all ages and you know, uh, uh, as soon as you begin to put the child, the children behind the wall or behind the this or whatever. Yeah, and that you can't film them together because they're all of different sizes. Then all of a sudden, you know, just stylistically it becomes something else. So, you know, I mean, I'm not advocating for one thing or another. I'm just remarking on, you know, social and discursive changes, you know, that to me suggests that this film would not be able to be made today and underlines its power, really. It's a very, very powerful film, yeah, partly in the way that it's shot. Um, so, so the film has all these characters. The other thing that I found really intriguing for me was its racial makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, there is something about American cinema that even when you have people of different races pretending to be friends, there's something unconscious about the the way the actors act or the way that it's filmed that really indicate that it's not quite so, or it's not really believable as such, yeah? That kind of, you know, there's a, there are racial kind of markers that mark people with different forms of power, or differential powers. Whereas in this film, it's, yeah, it is, I mean, I know that uh, Brazil also, you know, is a very racist culture and so on, but the interaction between all of these kids seemed kind of completely without a trace of, yeah, that recognition of race, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's more because it's more they're kind of bonded by their situation, and I guess by class rather than by yes. by race. The, yes. the, the the one character you see who is uh, much much whiter is the the blonde stripper who rips them off in the in the 
in in the drugs deal, and that's interesting. That there's a she's when they first go to her flat, which isn't her flat, she kind of looks like this aspirational figure because she's blonde and she's white and she's in this nice flat. Then you find out it's not actually her flat. She's on the take as well, and she's working as a stripper. And it's it's quite that, that, that's quite I found that quite interesting. But there's also the little boy, the blonde boy, yeah, who who forms this bond with Pichot, who gets arbitrarily picked out of a of a how do you call it, a, a line where you pick out witnesses, uh, and framed and murdered. So framed for, for something he didn't commit and murdered, you know, as his mother continues looking for him, right? And he is the blonde kid. And again, his interactions with everybody else and the way that he's filmed kind of don't underline a racial difference, even though he is constantly referred to as the blonde, yeah? Uh, so I thought that was kind of also interesting. In yeah, of... and that's interesting because the, re the reason why he's picked out is purely because he's blonde. I think the film is not as formally inventive uh, as, you know, something like Buñuel's The Young and the Damned. There's no throwing eggs at the camera or, you know, dream sequences or anything, you know. So I think um, its power comes from in other ways, right? I think you know, the naturalness of it, the performances uh, Babenko manages to, to to get from these children. Which I yeah. Think it's quite extraordinary. Really. And, and I, watching it, I was wondering, well, you know, how chaotic the shoot was because at one point, at certain points in the film, the Pichot um, has got, a, seems to have a, a, a cast on his, on his leg. Yes. Um, and this is never referred to. Um, yes. So presumably the actor broke his leg or something during the shoot and just, or, or you know, off between shots or whatever, um, and they just had to film around it. It's, um... Yeah, though the film is quite elliptical, mm, right? That's true, that's true. You know, so for example, we see these people being shot, yeah, in uh, the flat of the prostitutes at the end of Sueli, you know, a uh, brilliant, brilliant performance by Marilia Peda. Um, and then, you know, there's another scene and the, it's what happened to the bodies, how they got them out of there. You know, this frail woman and these children is never explained, right? Um, I also think you don't really need the explanation. Yeah, like, I, I don't, you don't experience it as a lack. Yeah, exactly. And it's sort of at certain points, you're, so when they, when the police sort of take the group of kids off to somewhere and you don't know where they're taking them and then they shoot two of them you don't know why and then they do this they take them to an adult prison and you don't know why and you're not really told what's going on and to, uh, and then you suddenly see them again and they're all locked in this kind of hot house this metal room with no windows and you you, you don't find out until a little bit later you know, you're told by Pichot what what's actually been going on but as a viewer you're kind of trying to understand this bewildering sequence of events much as the characters would I guess I was completely, uh, you know, blown over by it again. Uh, I, I think it's a very corrosive film, and it also kind of brings into question, you know, the censorship that we're under, yeah? Because you never see an American film that uh, so uh, um, surgically <laughs> kind of underlines yeah, every level of corruption mm. yeah, in yeah. American culture, the way that this film does. And of course, it does so through the most vulnerable, yeah, which are all these children, but primarily Pichot, because Pichot is almost a baby, right? Mm. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, so, and it does so kind of both on a narrative level. Yeah, I think, you know, I was very moved by it as well, like little things, like, you know, the scene that I mentioned on the beach. Uh, uh, but also, uh, you know, when, when they do their first holdup in the second half of the film, you know, and they're eating, Right, and Pichot is saying how he's going to have the ice cream, you know. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, yeah. You know, just yeah. kind of this this pleasure in like simple things that they don't normally have access to, right? Uh, and of course, I think the end sequence has to be to me one of the most powerful in the whole history of cinema, where uh, you know uh, uh, the prostitute suckles Pichot to her breast, and he clamps on, yeah, and and won't let go. I mean, I think that is like, you know incredible really uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, you know w you said you've been reading up on Pichot and what happened to the, to the yeah it's very, I mean it's very sad he died, so he 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 died he was he was shot by police age 19 it is the the short version and it it's so that was 1989 to 1987 so about seven years after the film was was made um, and it in, in some ways, it'd be you, you, know, the, the, you, you might think, oh well, he was you, taken up and then abandoned by the filmmakers, but that doesn't really seem to be the case. So he, after the film, he was um, given a scholarship to an acting school, um, but he didn't get on with the people there. He dropped out. He got a contract to be in a in a soap opera, but then didn't turn up on set. And it, and it, it kind of the, there's a vague impression that he possibly was pretty much illiterate, and because there wasn't a script for Pichot, and then obviously he couldn't operate with a script in the soap opera and that was the problem um his family were provided with a house um but he then got his mother to sell the house and and he used that to set up a coffee shop and then he kind of didn't turn up in the coffee shop he was uh he, he actually worked as a um as a pr production assistant on um kiss of the spider woman with with babenko but then was sacked because he stole a couple of replica pistols from the from the props um and then you know, got, got got involved in crime and then but then was was shot by police in what uh, what the police claimed they were they shot him in self-defense everyone else claims it was essentially an execution um pretty much like we see in the film and um that that's that's the story i mean it's it's, you know, it's, just, it's a very sad story he effectively you know the actor was from w w as they say at the start of the film, you know, the actor is from exactly the environment of Pichot, and he wasn't able to escape from that. Essentially, despite the help he was 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 given, there there is a film about him, which is not a very good film. It's called Who Killed Pichot, um, which I I have seen. It came out on DVD I think, a few I think years I've ago, seen yeah. It as well. Uh, but I, I seem to remember it's not it's not a very good film, and it's quite no. sensationalised about it. But it it just sort of appears he you know yeah. There's a very sad. This is I'll, I'll send you a link. This is in the LA Times when when he died that when he um, he sort of left or was thrown out of acting school. He just spent all his time going to cinemas to watch you know, re re reruns of Pichot over and over again to try and kind of relive that 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 fleeting moment. It's uh, very sad. It's very sad, but I, but I wouldn't. But I, I it, it, it feels the filmmakers did what they could to to help. But. It's a film that really you know asks to be compared to Buñuel's The Young and the Damned, and also to, to City of God by, by Fernando Mireilles and, and Katia Lund, which itself must now be 20 years old or more. Uh, uh, it's from two, 2002, yeah. Uh, so, 
Um, and actually, I think, you know, this uh, uh, is at least uh, as good, uh, very different from either. You know, City of God is a lot more poppy and fun and, you know, kind of, it's a lot more... I think City of God kind of glamorizes the whole thing a bit yeah. more, I think. It's full of audiovisual pleasures, of, you know, the music, the camera and so on. This is really done in a neorealist vein. Yeah, it's uh, uh, almost documentary style. Uh, um, and, you know, and very, very, very powerful for that. I, you know, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, uh, and I think it really holds its own with uh, these two other films that might now be better known uh, uh, than this one. Yeah, and I think, as I say, this restoration is, is amazing. And it, it's felt, you know, it's, which is, so the restoration on movie is one of a series of, I think they've got six films on there that are restorations by Scorsese's Film Foundation. Um, so hopefully we'll kind of work through some of, the, some of the other ones there as well. But I think see, seeing it in that condition was was a whole different experience because I, as I say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure that even in even when I saw it in 1986, it was a grotty TV print in 4.3, you know, whereas proper widescreen ratio, it, uh, nice print, it, it just, you know, it looks amazing, even though what you're actually what you're looking at is not very pleasant. But it, it's it looks amazing. Uh, so, any other last words? I think the the other film that I would compare it with slightly, and it, and it, it kind of I think supports your point about no one else would make a film and really release a film like this is is Alan Clark's Scum, but the original the, t- oh, the yes. original the, the original TV version, not the later film version. So the difference the, the difference between the two is the original TV version was made three years earlier, but with the same cast. But in fact, pretty much mostly the same cast. So firstly, the cast are younger than, than in the film version. They're all, they all look about 15, 16. I mean, it, it does contain the, the kind of, some of the stuff you see in Pichot, like the, the, the rape. It also, the TV version and not the film version has a, 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 a gay storyline where the, the lead character kind of takes on a, in quotes, wife, who's one of, one of the boys in the ball store, uh, which supposedly the actor concerned um, asked for the film version, asked if that could be removed. And then to, to his credit, he's, he subsequently said that's one of his big regrets is that he, because he was only, yeah, he's like 18 or 19 at the time. He's now in his 50s and says, yeah, I, really, I, I wish we hadn't taken that out. But the point being, you know, Okay, there was a British film, British TV film that did all this stuff, but it was banned by the BBC and it was never shown until the mid '90s. So you know, because that that one also does show not quite the corrup- the, the corruption at the level of of Pichot, but it does show that all these people you think are going to help, you know, the psychiatrists, the governor, the warder, the nurse, they don't help at all. They're all part of the system. I saw the film. One of the big differences between this, that, and this is. The way it's shot, yeah, that in this film, society always impinges, right? So you have these wide shots. You never just see a person in a bunk bed at the borstal. No, you see 300 kids, yeah? Or, yeah, 400 kids eating, or, you know, they're robbing purses, and, you know, you have all of Rio de Janeiro, yeah, kind of, yeah, in view, right? So, so the way that these kids are part of this society, just the way that it's filmed comes across a lot more, uh, well, I won't say a lot more, really. It's just very different. Yeah. Uh, so thank you all very much for listening. We are back. And, you know, we're back. <laughs> we're, with, back uh, we're back to cheer you up. With our, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you, if you found, 
<laughs> if you found Lost Souls not depressing enough for you, please watch this. But we, I really recommend it. it, it it's yeah, it's an amazing film. And and I, I'd also put a plug in. So so there are these five other films on movie. The other thing which I'd really recommend that I'll, we can put a link on is the Scorsese's launched this online screening room. So once a month he's putting up. I'm sure it's not him. Maybe it is him personally. He's 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 there uploading it on his website. They're they're, they're putting up one film a month, only for 24 hours, with oh, a new wow. restoration. Uh, next next one is La Strada, but they're also showing Kumati is on, which is one of the ones I saw at Bologna two years ago. Um, and yeah, there's some very interesting stuff coming up. So I'll send you that link, and uh, we can perhaps we can do those when they come up as well. So we'd like to thank Marty and George Lucas. <laughs> Do see this, it's on movie, and it's really one of the great masterpieces of cinema. So thank you very much for listening. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. And bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.